What is up, folks? You are tuned in to Roots to Grooves on Signal Radio. That's right. The founder here present with us, Jay Purcell. Hello, everybody. Welcome. I'm Jesse Quigley. This must be Roots to Grooves. This must be. It has to be if it's both of us. <laughs> That's the only way. Uh, yeah. we're, we're talking about Shigeto. Yes. Awesome, awesome dude. I never heard about this guy until uh, this week when Jay brought him up. Nice. Jay, Jay Choice. Yeah. Um, and this guy's super dope. Um, elements of house, jazz, hip hop. Mm-hmm. It's basically electronic music, mm-hmm. um, but with a lot of elements of real instruments. Yeah. Um, like live drumming, a lot of live drumming, which you heard in that first track. If you mm-hmm. caught it on uh, whichever platform you're on, Field Trip is what we just played there from his album Lineage. Awesome. Or Lineage. Lineage is how you say that. Oh, I, I think it would be lineage. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, hey, no rules. Or lineage. 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 Okay. Yeah. Hey, so pick your choice. Yeah. Choice your pick. Yeah. But we're talking about Shigeto. Yeah. Awesome dude of uh, Japanese ancestry. Yes. His uh, mother is Japanese. I think his dad is uh, American. Mm-hmm. And he was born and raised in America, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he's lived in New York. Mm-hmm. He's lived in London, I think. Yeah. And um, then he moved back. Yeah. And, and we'll get into all this yeah, yeah. throughout the episode. But yeah, so he's moved around a lot. He went to jazz jazz school for a second. Yeah. Um, moved back to Michigan, started making some sick music. Yeah. yeah. But this stuff is really good. It blew me away. Nice. Um, yeah. I mean, I was watching some of his live shows. Yeah, yeah. And he's just up there by himself. Yeah, that's and, great. Yeah. And he's he's controlling his, you know, his boxes of mm-hmm. of robot electronic stuff, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. I'm I'm not well versed in the vernacular of the uh, the of robot. DJing. You mean the computer, the robot mm-hmm. electronic box? Yeah. Speaking of which, <laughs> um, I'm not sure you probably heard the news that Daft Punk um, they they disbanded. What? Did you hear that? No. They released a video. Really? Yeah. Which is uh which was from another video that they released almost ten years ago or so, but they used footage from it and they kind of mm. tell a little story. This and was recently. Yeah, they just released it though. Uh, at least uh, a, a new uh, version, which is basically a, a a small short film um depicting their end. Wow. And, you know, this episode is coming out months later than when we're recording it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. They might have come out with a new album. <laughs> I hope it's a joke. Hopefully by the time this episode drops, yeah. we're, we're talking about this in uh, late February. Yeah. And this uh, episode is probably hitting you in... Uh, um, June, July? Yeah. Summertime. It's summertime, people. Yeah. So hopefully they've rebanded. Yeah. Getting the band back together. But we're not talking about Daft Punk. But anyways, a little side story that's kind of heavy-hearted, you know, since we're talking about... Well, they haven't released anything for a while, though. Right. So... Yeah, so interesting. I mean, they yeah, they released their... Seems like an attention-seeking thing to me. (laughs) Like, yeah. Why say anything now? You haven't released an album for a few years. It is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know they were doing other um, remixes and writing with other artists, I think. Yeah. But no official yeah. Daft Punk releases since I think 2010 or 11 Some when they came out with yeah, Random yeah, Access yeah. Memories, which is a yeah, yeah. Mm. fantastic album. And yeah. We'll talk about that later on. Yeah, a little maybe side we should story. do a tribute 
episode to yeah. Daft Punk. Yeah, that hit me pretty hard. And, you know, yeah. I, I was pretty attached to that last album, Random Excess Memories, and I'm sure a lot of other people are. So, yeah, my last memory of that was strange because I started a, a job at um, Nordstrom doing graphic design. Mm-hmm. And I was in like in a windowless office with four of us. And uh, the guy that designed the Signal logo, Chris Balashotis, was working there in that room with me. And he used to like spin music. And he'd all ask us, is like, is it okay if I spin some music in here kind of thing? It's like, yeah, I'm always down. Sure. Um, And he would always play um, some tracks from that album, from the Daft Punk album. Mm. Yeah. That's good stuff on there. That's kind of where, you know, if uh, music is a memory or a feeling or something like that, that's that's when I listen to those tracks from the album. That's that time in my history that I think of. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) I I think it it does relate to what we're talking about. We're talking about Shigeto. Shigeto. Yeah, yeah. um, A solo electronic artist. Mm -hmm. I guess you could say very vaguely. Yeah. Um, But Daft Punk, especially on Random Access Memories, is obviously they went kind of backwards to move forwards with mm-hmm. being electronic duo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but on that last album using, you know, Nile Rogers on guitar and very disco heavy that album. Yeah. Very right? disco, yeah. a lot of live <clears throat> instrumentation alongside the classic Daft Punk yeah, electronic yeah. stylings. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I do see that relation to Shigeto cause he is considered an electronic artist. He's just yeah. a one guy doing it all. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. but a lot of organic, instrumentation and so like back to what i was saying about when he's doing live stuff he's he's controlling everything and i think he even said he doesn't use a click no yeah so he's 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 controlling all these uh triggers and different Mm -hmm. sounds and samples Mm kind of as he's going using kind of some looping technology Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. he'll he'll trigger when he wants Mm -hmm. um and you know it gets we don't need to explain how that is being done exactly because it's kind of technical and Mm. specific Mm. But he's up there on stage and he's doing these triggers and stuff, and then he'll uh, he'll drop he'll get on his trap set, drum set, yeah, and you know play along you say to trap it. Trap set. Well, yeah, I've heard it called a trap set. Is that wrong? What a drum kit. Yeah, really? I never heard that. When before. I was in band, like uh, pep really? band, yeah, yeah, the director call it a trap set, and really? I never I never understood that. Is that where the term trap music comes from? Then? I I don't know. Mind, I, I just said it blown i mean i didn't grow up in just, america so I, I don't know these some of these terminologies maybe it's just natural to americans and you have a natural i just kind of went with it yeah because yeah. he said it and so i just i try to you know i'm i'm, I'm a I, I try to use words sometimes before i know exactly what they mean that's, <laughs> that's the only way i learn <laughs> just to air them in public and see what anyone yeah. else thinks Any, what, what, did i say something <laughs> what what do you what is what's trap but but yeah it sounds cool though it sounds hip it does oh, i got trap my trap set, set. yeah i got, got my, my tra- got my trap set in my uh, got my trap in my, in my van <laughs> maybe i'm wrong hit us up on the email guys because we're always looking to we're always learning here i'm gonna google the hell out of this right now all right we'll google it up um so yeah shigeto is super dope um as far as i know he had a a, a pretty good you know background of influence mm-hmm. as far as as being a, a youngin yeah yeah do, do you know some of his influences um his influences inspirations well i, I mean uh, oh i i got a couple written down okay yeah uh, athletic mike league mm. which i've never heard of okay. uh, binary star mm. and mm-hmm. yeah those are like the two main ones that i wrote down the only two i'm sure he has a ton mm. of other influences but those were specifically out of the, the detroit 
scene. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I know he um, used to listen to a lot of releases from Ghostly International, which is the record label he's on now. Okay, yeah, um, right. And that's out of uh, Michigan or Detroit? Yeah, they started there. And uh, also Warp Records out of the UK. Um, they're, I, I know, I've known of Warp being from the UK since my teenage years. Um, uh, Aphex Twin um, was on Warp and a lot, a lot of other types of artists. They're always kind of a go-to label for sort of electronic weird weirdness future mm-hmm. thinking stuff and uh yeah i know she get like mentioned that he listened to the early catalog of warp records mm-hmm. inspiration growing up kind of thing yeah i think but, yeah. as far as i remember that label and the ghost works was uh, it ghostly international ghostly international label yeah. i mm-hmm. think i think there might have been a couple of people involved in both of those or they switched yeah yeah probably yeah I mean, they're like very similar and they like start right. at the same time but like on you know just in separate countries kind of thing mm-hmm. i think so, one of the similarities was that they were kind of they wanted to promote and show share music that was you know kind of electronic but kind of organic mm-hmm. which again was getting into mm-hmm. um before he got into it you know and that's why he was inspired by it but um if i can remember correctly yeah stuff that was kind of telling a story through a process in the track rather than here's a track that's meant for a club. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a little bit more personal yeah, yeah. vibes. Yeah. Um, that's um, just the vague thing that I got from, from like reading about those more musical versus just club dance bangers. Yeah. More musical, yeah. more, um, intro perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, tr- just trying yeah, to yeah. more of a narrative, trying to tell a story rather than here's a track to dance to in the club. That's definitely those labels. Like I would say the both those labels, Ghostly International and Warp Records, if you go back into their catalogs, it's very sort of headphone music. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's I think one way people would say that sort of stuff. Like yeah, introspective electronic music stuff to listen to it's like not really stuff to you know it's not like four to the four to the floor house music Ooh. hello okay cool Ooh. guy running red light down here Jeez. in pioneer square we're trying to record a <laughs> damn podcast come on he didn't know he didn't get the memo we send that out we as sent, a bulletin through the police i sent it to pioneer the mayor square. yeah you did well he ain't doing his job, or she, yeah. or whoever that is. Well, I don't even know. <laughs> to whom it may concern, at the mayor's office, send. Um, yeah, so introspective electronic music, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, so I mean, just, just get into it a little bit. Like, he grew up listening to this stuff, he was inspired by it. Um, yeah. And then I guess I don't know too much about it, like his home life or anything, but he's of Japanese a- ancestry, so real quick. Mm-hmm. Shigeto is his grandfather's name. Yeah. His grandfather's first name. Yeah. And then Shigeto is also his middle name. Yeah. His, his full uh, name being Zachary Shigeto. Here we go now. Do it. Pronounce it. Do it. Saginaw. Mm-hmm. Saginaw. I, I did hear him say it. He said it really fast. So. Yeah. It's hard to pick up on. Yeah. Saginaw. On new words. I think he said Saginaw. Saginaw. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Shigeto. It means to increase in size mm-hmm. and to grow. Yeah. He did say, 
um, that like Japanese ma- names can mean many things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and he thought that Shigeto meant, meant many things as well, but the, the meaning that he was most familiar with was what you just said, mm-hmm. to grow. Yeah, I'm sure so, that's kind of referring to the aspect of you know personal growth. Yeah. Achieving yeah. something larger yeah, yeah. rather than this guy's getting huge. Yeah, yeah. Like physically. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instead of bloated. Yeah. This guy's <laughs> bloated, bro. But he has a sick set I'm He's watching. A bloated them. sense of ego. Yeah. No, he, do, he does not. But no, yeah. <laughs> but he does seem very chill and very cool, very yeah. down to earth. Yeah. Real chill guy. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Really cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Similar. Don't really know <clears throat> too much about his personal upbringings. I do know though that you know his mother is from Japanese heritage, and mm-hmm. his uh, I think his dad's American. I think, um, believe so. And uh, but he he did say that his uh, from his Japanese side of the family, his grandparents were in the internment camps in America, right? Which I'm pretty sure most people know about. But like, if you don't, and you're watching this for the first time or hearing about this, you know this was. Back in the Second World War era, right? Yeah, like the forties. Like, yeah, where um the Americans thought Japanese were enemies, and they put a lot of the Japanese people that were living in America in internment camps. Just innocent, just people not yeah. involved with the war. Exactly. Yeah, and um yeah, so his his grandparents were in there as well, and he said about that that um you know after they were released from that and they went back into normal everyday life in America that they kind of wanted to distance themselves from their Japanese heritage to the point where he he didn't learn how to speak Japanese, which he's a little bit bummed out about because he he would have wanted to know that. Um, For sure. His grandparents never spoke Japanese around him because they kind of wanted to cut that off and I guess give him more of a chance... Yeah. To be prosperous yeah, and yeah. not be involved. Because they his grandparents grew up and living their happy lives. Yeah. And then because they were Japanese, they were sent to camps. Yeah. yeah. Like how messed up is that? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm guessing that's just kind of where their headspace was at when they're like, Well, let's not make him more like us because this is yeah, what yeah. happened to us. Yeah, yeah. And, and hopefully give him a better chance. I guess this is just the thinking. I don't know. Uh that's the whole yeah, thing about um Yeah. People, I mean, I'll, you know, I'm an immigrant to America, and uh, welcome, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's like I've heard so many stories about that. I was, I think, I was reading someone the other day about um, Eastern European family who, um, apparently, Linda is the most popular female American name in America in the last few years. Hmm. And I was reading this story about this Eastern European family who uh, came over and their daughter was born here and they called her Linda because it sounded to their ears the most American sounding name. Hmm. Linda. Uh, yeah. And how like, uh, I think uh, she said like her dad's name was Ivanov or something like that. But whenever he orders food, he calls himself Mike, like on the order kind of thing. Like okay. I'm a pepperoni pizza for Mike. <laughs> So I think there is a bit of that thing like about coming to America and like trying to seem anglicize your name or whatever in you know yeah. um nice word yeah from the you know from me being from the anglo side of things. <laughs> it's just funny um but yeah uh yeah so that's kind of yeah that's that's a weird trip I mean 
I mean, I couldn't I, imagine. Yeah. I mean, also, like, I have a little bit of a kinship with, with the language side of things because my mum is from an island called Mauritius and they speak Creole and she moved to England and I was born in England and she never spoke Creole to me. So, so same I, kind of deal. I, I wish I spoke Creole, but uh, to her defense, she said she used to speak it to me and I used to laugh at her as, as a kid. <laughs> what are you talking Silly. This is fine, but I would still love to, because I couldn't communicate with my grandparents or uh, half my family because they spoke a different language than me. So mm-hmm. I, I can I, identify with that side of things. Yeah, yeah I yeah. identify with that a little bit too, because my parents didn't speak too much Spanish to me when I was um, you know, a child. And they, they were, my mom's pretty fluent. And my dad is fairly fluent as well. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. They didn't make it a, a thing to teach it to me. Yeah. And so, same kind of thing. I wish I, yeah. it would be value to me today if I knew how to speak another language. But yeah. it seems like now I have to put a lot of effort into into that. Yeah. If I, if I wanted to be fluent, yeah, it's easier to learn a language when you're when you're a child. So that's what they say. I think they say that the brain uh, stops growing after 12 years old or something like that some some kind of something about that i don't know though i feel you can always learn something things throughout life and do things but, for sure yeah. I, but i think like what you're saying is when you're when your child your brain is still like rapidly building Chain, yeah, connections yeah, yeah. and con- like it's easier to like consume and learn things right when you're younger or something like that as far yeah. as i know your brain continues to grow until you're 25 all right then so, I don't or, or at least them. mature. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I think you're just talking about a little bit of a different thing. Okay. Like the early brain yeah, sucking yeah, up yeah. information yeah, like yeah. a sponge. And then yeah. the further on you go, the harder it is to learn vastly right. new things. Right. Yeah. But yeah. technically it's like 25. So they say. Yeah. So the scientists say. The scientists. I tend to trust the scientists. Yeah. Especially during COVID. Exactly. <laughs> so... So basically, this guy was into some jazz stuff, though. Yeah, Shigeto, we're talking about. Yeah. So he um, he wanted to. So he, I don't know, I don't, I don't know too much about what he was doing in his household or where he got a drum set or anything. But he was interested in jazz and he was interested in drums. I do know he started playing drums when he was ten. Okay, so pretty early. Cool. Yeah, and he played in rock bands, live hip hop bands, until ultimately he found jazz. And um, and that was his focus until he was 19 years old. Like he said, he wanted to just be a gigging jazz drummer. Right. And uh, I think at a certain point, um, he hooked up with um, a legendary jazz guy in Michigan called, uh, I think it was Vincent York or something like that. If I'm saying his name correctly, I know his last name was York with a K-E. But... Um, um yorkie yorkie yeah um and so like to the to this whole point um up until that point shigeto was completely self-taught musician self-taught drummer mm-hmm. he got hooked up with this guy he was like a auto sax player he said he was like many years older than him he was like a veteran jazz guy sort of thing and uh and he said one of the things that he really remembers from that experience with him um is that it wasn't that this guy was teaching him anything about technique at all or anything like that. It was about um, mood and feeling and emotion and the humanity in music. Kind of mm-hmm. thing. Cool. And so, you know, if he'd be doing a certain point, you know, it, it wouldn't be about like how to play the drum or how to do it. It would be about like the feeling behind it. That was like the 
the driving sort of idea that this guy was trying to put forth mm-hmm. to Shigeto sort of thing. And, and he, um, you know, really took upon that, really did it. And um, he ended up um, at a certain time in his period signing up for music school and getting involved in like learning things. And he said he'd at that point he'd been like playing for like 12 years mm-hmm. and he said he got to music school and it was like, he thought he knew stuff and then he was like, well, I don't know anything now. Right. Now kind of flipped. School. Yeah. It kind of flipped on him. So this, uh, we're talking about when he moved to New York, right? Yeah. 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 So we're in like college. Yeah. He's in college. That is. Yeah. yeah. And we're all here with him. We're, in we're the past. with him right now in the past. <laughs> So, so from yeah he was born in detroit moved yeah. when he was what 20 21 or so mm-hmm. somewhere in there mm-hmm. to new york city and he went to the new college of jazz mm-hmm. or the new school the new jazz school something like that something like that yeah. it's one of the, some of those words in a different yeah. order maybe yeah, yeah but it was a you know a jazz school yeah and he was going to be a drummer yeah and so he was learning techniques there you know as you would mm-hmm. and so that's kind of where you just led us to yeah, yeah. And so he's kind of, <clears throat> he kind of started to learn yeah, things that he didn't want to learn. Like, yeah, he said he, he did two semesters there. I think like when he first arrived, he said, well, I don't know anything about music now. But it was like, let me put the work in. Let me study. Let, let me work hard at learning mm-hmm. what they're teaching me sort of thing. And then as he was going through that during those two semesters, like, you know, he came to the realization that I think he didn't say this himself, but. He basically said it was taking the magic away of music mm-hmm. for him kind of thing. Yeah, I think he was saying they made it, you know, in contrast to that other gentleman who was showing him the vibes and the feeling. Mm. And they were kind of, the, the school was putting things in yes, no, black, white, yeah, wrong, right. One plus one equals, well, you know. Yeah, this is how you get this, like more formula, 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 like formula. <laughs> Formulatic? Formulodic. Oh, Whoa. man, I just totally got Whoa. spaced on that. <laughs> you just came up with a new word. Formula-like. Formulodic. Formulodic. I like that one. Okay. That's a band, band name. That's a band name. Yeah, <laughs> for, my, for my electronic <laughs> the, debut. Formulodic. <laughs> formulatic. DJ um, Formulatic. Oh. Have a nice train. Nobody steal that. That's patented. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he was kind of going through this kind of whirlwind crisis. Like, I thought... This school was going to teach me this, yeah. and I was going to progress and be a jazz drummer. Mm-hmm. And then he was kind of like, "This is kind of not fun, and it's kind of ruining it for me." Yeah, like he he felt that it was just too. Um, yeah, for I mean, I think Jim James said this as well that we did another show on. Mm-hmm. He thought that music school for him or music class, whatever, was too mathematic, right? Um, too rigid. Yeah, too rigid. And it's like, yeah, it's just like you think music is like this creative free art form and you're self-taught and you've been doing it for 12 years and then you get to this place and they're telling you all this structure and theory and rules Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And uh, uh, yeah, I just think he put the time in, he put the effort in, but ultimately he was just like, no, I can't do this. Right. Fisher ghetto. And it's it's very personal. I'm sure that school is great. Yeah, yeah, and then they teach people great stuff all the time. Yeah, but it's it's just different things are different for different people. Yeah, and he he wasn't vibing with that. And I I th- and I thought about that as well. From my like, I'm not musically trained at all. I'm self taught. I did a little bit of piano classes mm-hmm. teaching when I was younger, or whatever. Um, 
you know, part of me wishes that I knew more about music theory, like in terms of scales and, you know, all of the, all the notation side of things kind of thing. Right. But also the other part of me kind of feels thankful that I don't know that stuff mm -hmm. because this is also what Shigeto talks about as well. It's like, you know, there are no rules in music. Like if it sounds a little bit out of tune, if it's technically out of tune, but to your ear, it sounds good kind of thing, mm -hmm. then go with it. Like, you know, right. and especially now, you know, because we only have certain number of notes in the Western musical scale anyway, and, mm -hmm. you know, and the certain number of combinations kind of thing. If you can get to the point where we're starting to bend those rules and, you know, I think we've had this, this situation before in uh, Sultan's rehearsals with a certain keyboardist kind of thing <laughs> yeah. saying about how that's like not technically right, but like the rest of the band is like, well, it sounds good. So it's like, you know. Yeah, no, definitely. I was, yeah. I was, yeah, I was going to not bring that up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not naming any names. So yeah. It was, I mean, it's fun though. And it's good to have the contrast. Yeah. It's good to, it's good to have that perspective. Yeah. It's like for sure. Like, I mean, the grass is always greener. I wish I knew more about scales and about the, yeah rules or guidelines whatever you want to call them and the vast information yeah, yeah. swaths of information that can help you get to where you want to go musically yeah, yeah. and super valuable yeah you know but always most important to value whatever you have yeah you don't always need something else to get to where you're going mm -hmm. you know i'm just a proponent for using what you already have well, and uh, go as far as you can go with that and that's you're you're unlimited yeah. you know just you don't need anything else to be a successful person you know no, for sure. And Shigeto said that as well. Like, I don't know if you saw his interview where he was saying about that. Uh, like, I almost thought I was watching a Jesse video. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I hope it's good. Yes. Yeah, because like, he was saying about, um, you said this to me before. I don't know if it was on air or off air, but like uh, about how you don't need, um, like, you know, you don't need the latest equipment or the best equipment to create what you're creating. You just need mm -hmm. to create kind of thing. Yeah. He specifically said that. Like nice. He, yeah. He's like a proponent of like, you know, working within your limitations, which is something we talked about a long time ago and we haven't totally. talked about it for a while, but like, yeah, just like, um, you know, working, pushing the limits with what you have, mm -hmm. doing the best you can with what you have versus trying to get latest bestest yeah whatever just not having right. that perspective where if i need to move forward i need a new box electronic device from yeah, guitar yeah, center yeah. exactly yeah or from sweetwater wherever you get your stuff yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. oh my voice is going out mm. but you know i'm just like i say envelop what you are and what can i do with what i have now yeah and when you know you need something specific like a camera lens to get this yeah. specific shot or a more powerful computer to do this or a synth to get the specific sound then go for it get it get the best stuff you can get yeah, yeah but there's always good stuff that you can do without having to reach out is all i'm saying so i think yeah i think we're it's like not, not a creative crutch it's like you right know, you can do i mean this is the way i think about the things that i do and create and stuff like that is like you know i can do everything i need to do with what i have um the things i think about getting just makes it a little bit easier mm -hmm. like it doesn't radically change like i'm not gonna think 
by getting this microphone, it's going to make me a better musician. Like, <laughs> right. Well, that that's what's wrong. Yeah, that's yeah, what some that, people yeah. do kind of yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's not the most healthy perspective to have as a creative person. You know, yeah. we've, we, and yeah, we've touched on this stuff before. Yeah. yeah. Do whatever you want, everybody. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. Do whatever you do. And don't, but just don't also, I guess, think that you're hampered or restrained right exactly because and like we've touched on this before sometimes putting yourself you know in a box sometimes Mm -hmm. restraining what you have available can help you move forward and help you be more creative rather than having all of the options like should i start writing a song on the piano or the trumpet or the guitar or i don't it's too much like i'm gonna do a little (laughs) bit of everything and i'm not getting anywhere like just pick one yeah i'm gonna write try to write a chord structure on a piano yeah and limit yourself to the piano and then see what you come up with there. Yeah. Or if you're like a teenager and you don't have any money and you want to create music like your idols or the people that inspire you or, or that you look up to kind right. of thing. And you're like, I want to make it like that. It's like, maybe don't be so concerned about that, but be concerned about like the song kind of thing and mm-hmm. just use what you have. Like at this point, everyone has a phone, which is way better than what I had when I was a kid. Like, yeah, it's, it's, like you can literally just record it on the phone or do something like just use what you have like and, yeah. and make it and push the boundaries of that. You know? Yeah, exactly. If it's sounding shit, go to a quieter room or like put the microphone in your armpit or whatever it yeah, takes. Get in your closet, <laughs> deaden the sound, yeah, yeah. see what you can do. Yeah, get yeah, creative yeah. with what yeah. you have yeah, yeah. in in new ways. Use your closet, Yeah, you know, as a recording booth. Exactly. Super yeah. simple one that a lot of people do. I think a lot of music that we hear on the radio some of it and i'm just saying some of it has been recorded on an iphone like the vocals actually made it yeah onto i've heard a couple stories like that and i can't name any names off the top of my head yeah but you know it's on my mind because i read that and that's yeah cool to think about you don't have to go to la to the nicest studio Mm -hmm. to get your recording yeah exactly people do what they got to do so i mean just be free with what you have yeah um and that shigeto kind of encapsulates that yeah um and he's down for that and so i'm down for shigeto yeah so so basically he's in college doesn't like it mm-hmm. drops out mm-hmm. i'm gone and it, it, so he has a, shigeto out uh, so a few things are going on here also um when he was younger as well as playing drums since the age of 10 he also wanted to be a pro skater <laughs> and he skated a lot when he was a kid he actually, I think when he was like 14 or something like that, he broke his collarbone mm. and he couldn't play drums for seven months. Mm. And uh, he eventually got back to playing again. And uh, he still like continued to skate. But one interview I saw of him, I think he must have been in his 20s or something like that. He stopped doing it because he said it's just too dangerous now. <laughs> it's oh, like, yeah. You know, I- it's like he wants to continue playing music and drum and like he can't, um, you know, do that. Like, yeah, no, I think risk, I risk the injuries or whatever. Right, yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I saw him t- speaking, and he must have been twenty five or mid twenties or so, and he was, yeah. he was like, I got to get on insurance and like yeah, yeah, yeah. do this adult stuff, yeah, yeah, to move towards where I, what I really want to do, and kind of concentrate on that rather than I'm going to be Tony Hawk and yeah, yeah. and Shigeto, because <laughs> yeah. um, he, he's killing it as Shigeto, and he's been really prolific and yeah, yeah doing cool stuff i guess one of the the cool things i thought about him was he he wanted to 
do this type of music because he didn't want to just do house or mm-hmm. he didn't want to just do jazz because he didn't feel like he was a part of the community or progressing it forward in any way. But he found a way that made him feel like he's part of the community and he's he's part of the history of music and a, a history of jazz and a history of electronic music if he's, he's binding these two things together, mm-hmm. these disparaging forces of jazz and like club house stuff mm-hmm. and when he puts these two together it is it's, we're, we're all making history anyone who creates anything every day and he wanted to be a part of that and that kind of made him feel much more fulfilled mm-hmm. especially in comparison to what he was receiving from college from school mm-hmm. so just something that i respect about him and i think that's super yeah. true and super cool yeah yeah i really like him so he had there's a time where he spent in London, and I, I'm not sure where this falls in his history. Of, yeah, right uh, after he dropped out in New York City, he yeah. moved to London. I think something like that. I think he he um I think the reason he ended up in London is because I think there was a time where he was sort of partying a lot too much and doing drugs kind of thing, and he spoke to his dad, and his dad um, worked in the food industry, and he his dad had a friend that had a cheese shop in london mm. and he was sort of like you could go work in this cheese shop for like a little bit kind of thing um go find yourself or whatever go do things yeah i think that's kind of how he got there so and he like, did yeah so he went so he worked there to london he worked in the cheese shop he was only supposed to be there for a few months on a like a six month visa i think mm-hmm. and um he ended up staying there for three years um, I'm not sure of all the details of what he did there, but he was, I think he got back into drumming again and playing music, mm-hmm. but he developed a really bad tendonitis in his arms. And yeah. Like in his wrists. Yeah. From playing. Yeah. And he said he couldn't play like it was, he, he described it as like electric shocks going up your arm. That does not sound fun. Yeah, and he got to a point where he couldn't um, like brush his teeth without being in pain or like lift a coffee mug kind of thing. And this this was sparked from his drumming? From his drumming. And he said he said at a certain point that maybe he thinks he got that because of his because he's self taught and he didn't have like proper jazz technique, mm-hmm. like jazz drumming technique. So he so he probably he thinks he got it from his bad tech bad technique posture of playing sort of thing yeah maybe i don't know um, yeah i don't know i mean you know I'm i mean dr- it could be i'm a drummer and uh you know i can't play the fast rock shit i used to i yeah. could probably get there again if i really worked hard at it but well like, um, yeah i'm sure you could but like yeah but it takes us an amount of practice and effort and time and all that sort of shit and and jazz drumming is a different thing as well like you know no and, and yeah, so, like i was saying some of these yeah. videos i'm watching him play his shows and he's yeah. he's doing quick intricate stuff and he's doing fills and stuff he's not just doing a simple yeah. beat yeah, four yeah, on the yeah. floor yeah yeah it's it's cool stuff and so i'm i don't know what the story is with his tendonitis well so whatever, but he's he's overcome it somehow and he's he's yeah able to play really cool stuff still yeah he yeah i don't know what happened but um i know when he was going through that he said his brother came to visit him in london and gave him a copy of Reason 2, which is the, the electronic music production software. Nice. And the, he started making, like, if he couldn't play live drums, he was like, oh, let's see what I can do with this. And he was blown away. And he was like, it opened up a new world for him. And he was like, wow, I can do all this shit. All these ideas that I had in my head, I can do them now sort of thing. 
and that's what really sparked him on that electronic music journey and um at some point he found himself back in the u.s i think after all this this is a whole long story to say about how he got signed to ghostly well i think this is a good spot it's a good marker he drops out of new york yeah school college yeah yeah. he moves to london he's getting his mojo back yeah yeah. he's figuring out what he likes yeah yeah about he's getting himself sober partying yeah as well and then so let's stop he's in london let's play a track from him yeah yeah If, if you got one loaded up absolutely i'm feeling some something good something good yeah play something for me jay let's just play uh something from Lineage. Okay. Lineage. Oh, <laughs> second album lineage so chill i thought that was just getting started i know it's, mm. a, it's kind of a short track the album cover for that is uh, pretty interesting because um uh, it's his a family photo from his family in japan which his great grandfather is is on yeah in, I, was, I was gonna mention that before i didn't remember which album it was that's yeah. it cool. and then if you get the vinyl version or the cd copy or whatever on on the back apparently is a photo of his grandfather in the internment camp in the in the u.s sort of thing and he said yeah this this whole album was you know kind of an homage to his heritage and um you know he's also said at various points that you know um he he's kind of making a nod to his heritage a lot within his music, within his name, and within the sonic palettes he uses sometimes. I don't know if you really heard it in that track, but in some of his other tracks, he kind of uses kind of sort of Japanese sounding mm-hmm. sort of elements for of. sure. And um, yeah, he says specifically, you know, he's sort of trying to communicate to his grandmother and his family kind of thing that you know he's aware of his heritage and he wants to acknowledge it and he he wants to embrace it. You know, mm-hmm. He doesn't want to ignore it like he feels in a certain way that some of his family did after that experience of being in internment camp sort of thing, you know, which obviously, you know, they had their own valid, very valid reasons for doing that sort of thing. But now him being in a different generation, you know, and being away from that part of the dark history, another part of dark American history kind of thing, um, you know, he's... uh <laughs> yeah. it might be more there's, there's many chapters there's, of dark there's right? more dark <laughs> chapters than light chapters how crazy is that even recently as well yeah. jesus christ <laughs> um yeah so you know but yeah that's super cool how he wants to kind of that's his way of communicating with his family yeah yeah and and with his heritage and the history and kind of leaving that mark you know forever because that album's yeah. gonna be there which is really interesting as well because he doesn't sing and he doesn't do any vocals mm. So when he's talking about communicating the stuff, he's communicating it musically, right? Not vocally. <clears throat> so yeah, I think that's, that's even a cooler way to do it. Yeah. Kind of more yeah. ethereal way to yeah. to make communication. Yeah, yeah. And you can hear on that like that last track and all his stuff. It's all super solid and good. But you can hear how tasteful and delicate. Yeah, yeah. All the components are. Yeah. It's just so great. Yeah, yeah. All of his stuff is grade A. Yeah. It's all the way through. So yeah, some of the other shows we go through these albums specifically on this show, um, on this episode, we're not going through each one of his albums because there's a lot Mm -hmm. um, and they're all super good. 
Yeah. Except to say, like, um, so Full Circle was his first one that came out in 2010. Um, he said he started those tracks in Ann Arbor right before he moved to NY. Okay. And, but, they, but they weren't released till years later? Um, I'm not sure when it was released from when he was doing it. I feel like it was close to when he released it. Um, yeah, I guess if we didn't say before, his first album, Table for Two, came out 2019, 2009, excuse me. Yeah. And so this album you're saying Full Circle was 2010. It was his first official one. I think the one you're talking about was um, like a collaboration with uh, Setting Sun or something. Okay. Like that. Yeah, that, so. that that does look like a collaboration. And I did look that up because yeah. I was like, who is who is this? And did they yeah, put it on yeah, Setting yeah. Sun's profile on Spotify? Yeah. That's what I'm looking at, at least. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's on Setting Sun and that's a that, cool music as well. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, so so yeah, sort of going through, it. and then lineage. He said he wrote completely in New York, and then twenty thirteen, no better time than now, was completely written in Detroit. He'd moved back to Detroit at that mm-hmm. time. So this his visa expired. Like we kind of left off. He was in London yeah, yeah. working at a cheese shop. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. If I remember what he was saying, he was kind of like refinding himself. Yeah, and like kind of getting that feeling of feeling lost. Mm-hmm. with the the hustle and bustle of like kind of normal everyday life yeah, yeah. and uh the, a, a great opportunity for him to kind of see a different perspective and recapture what he was about and how he felt about what he wanted to do mm-hmm. and so that was a great opportunity for him and so then yeah kind of after that you can see he was like banging stuff out really yeah, really yeah. hard so like you said he moved back to detroit yeah because uh, he was originally from ann arbor so he never lived in detroit or but, Michigan, I should say. Yeah, yes. so like Detroit was like a different experience for him. And um, he said by that time, uh, 2013, no better time than now. He said he, he, he'd acquired a lot more instruments and got himself, a, got himself a bigger studio. His studio, he basically said, was like a loft that he was living in. And he said that, um, you know, most music files would like look at that space and like think it would be terrible for like sonically making music in like mm-hmm. it's not acoustically treated or whatever kind of thing right um but he was able to set his entire drum kit up and mic it up and, and record what he needed to do in that space sort of thing um and he also said no better time than now was like an opportunity for him to do like more kind of live recorded kind of um ideas versus just programming on the computer right um, and he also said he, he finally feels comfortable about what he wants to say musically mm-hmm. on that album kind of thing. So, yeah. So kind of so, a, you know, yeah. a coming of age, yeah, yeah, coming yeah. into himself, knowing what he's about and what he yeah, wants yeah. to do and how he wants to communicate through yeah vibrations yeah, yeah. on the molecules that make up the air around us. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> but, um, and so, um, also kind of during this time he was, he was in a long-term relationship, mm-hmm. which I wasn't, I didn't find out too much about it because, yeah. you know, I'm sure he somewhat keeps it separate from his yeah, yeah. stuff he promotes, obviously. So I think he lived in New York twice. I think once when he was at okay. school. I was trying to figure that out. Yeah. And then he moved back again because he said uh, a girlfriend he was with went to cul- culinary school. Mm-hmm. And so he moved back with her then um, to be in New York again sort of thing. And, uh, you know, he said that he loves New York. Um, he, 
one of the things he also said though was that like you know because he's touring a lot now he got like you know some fame or not fame but you know some tr- some traction with his musical career kind right. of thing where yeah, he's yeah. he got to a point where he was only like staying in his place in new york for like half a year and he said he wasn't going out because like his job is to go out to clubs and that and then when he's not doing that he's like on tour or at home kind of thing mm-hmm. and he just felt that like well i'm spending a shit ton of money on rent in new york i mm-hmm. only here half the year and i don't use the city for what being in a city is good for like, yeah it's not thing. serving him yeah, it wasn't serving time. him yeah that's a good way to put it so yeah i think that's like when he um left there i think yeah so i i thought yeah. it was cool because he mentioned like he's like I'm, I'm trying to save money yeah you know i'm kind of trying to chill out mm-hmm. um i think he wanted to be around family mm-hmm. and so he moved back to ann arbor right mm-hmm. not detroit mm-hmm. i think it's somewhat neighboring mm-hmm. this is not a geography podcast it's not but it's close <laughs> yeah it's close yeah. you know it's all about those great lakes yeah, and everything yeah, but yeah. but i think they're neighboring cities ish yeah um but yeah so he wanted to like kind of break it down mm-hmm. spending too much money in new york save mm-hmm. money re um reacquaint himself with his family and kind of the the small town vibe yeah, yeah. which i think he said he didn't he was he didn't really want to be in ann arbor but like the pros outweighed the cons i guess mm-hmm. of saving money and being around family yeah, yeah so he made that decision yeah which is cool yeah and and i think he was able to open up a new a new space for his studio mm-hmm. which for the first time he was able to like have a living space and then a separate mm-hmm. place to work on music as his studio yeah which you know obviously for anybody who's gotten to work in different studios and stuff, it's it's amazing to be able to go to a nice, dedicated mm. spot to work on your project. Definitely, yeah. Uh, as yeah. opposed to you know waking up in a room and then like, okay, I got to start working on this and then yeah, got to work on this all in the same room <laughs> and it's just kind of weird and people do o- that overwhelming or something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's just kind of hard to yeah. to wrap your head around the compartmentalization of doing d- very different projects within yeah. the same small space. Yeah. Um, but you know, everyone has to work with what they got and everyone has a different situation. So it's all good. However, you got to get it done, but it's, it's for a lot of artists, it's very nice. (laughs) And he was able to achieve that, which is awesome. Yeah. So, and I I guess he started making, take us away. What do you, what do you do after that? He started making more, more music, right? More music. Yeah. He's, um, you know, he's DJed a lot. I saw him play in Seattle. I didn't actually see him. He was hidden behind DJ decks kind of thing. But I went I went down there with my friend uh, because we heard Shigeto was playing. And we we thought he was going to do his drumming thing because when he plays live, usually he has his drum kit and yeah. his stuff and all that. And we thought we were going to see that. But no, he was just DJing other people's stuff, just a, which is cool. It was like, it was a good selection, but uh, it was a little... Underwhelming still, if you're... Still yet to see the shigeto yeah live experience yeah, yeah that's not yeah. anywhere near the same him yeah. doing a dj set as opposed to a yeah, shigeto yeah. set because yeah. i mean he puts it on he's exactly yeah. i mean he's sweating up there he's he's yeah. controlling everything and he's on a live drum set doing cool jazzy stuff yeah yeah it's amazing i would, I would where was the venue he was playing in seattle uh, q nightclub q nightclub <laughs> capital Hill. really this place i've been there like once i think <laughs> yeah it's like Years it's ago. like the only nightclub in well there's a few others in seattle probably it's the only one in capitol hill that's though. probably the only one i've been to in seattle yeah yeah yeah. so uh 
I I have to pee. That's my confession for right now. <laughs> okay. um, can, can we play one more song? Let's play so a song I, so I can put my thought back into the game. Okay. Yeah. Get it. Let's get our. <laughs> let's rewrap our thoughts. We're moving back home to Ann Arbor along with Shigeto. But we haven't done this yet, so I'm going to play a song from his very first album. Nice. Full full circle. This is called So So Lovely. I'm pumped. Sudden ending, just like that. Okay, oh, I was vibing. I was like, it was like mm. it was, I was looking at the the countdown on that track, and it just like kept going all the way to the end. Were it perfect? Yeah, I like it. That's. I was listening to that one um, when I was researching this, and it was tripping me out. I had to stop what I was doing because I was like reading something or looking at my phone, and that that song came on. Yeah, and those those pots and pans kind of sound. Yeah, it was tripping me out. It's kind of like a. Yeah, kalimba like, stuff, but it's like yeah, I don't know if it's a a percussive thing or if it's yeah or what or or something organic or not, but yeah. you know, just so many questions. But it sounds really trippy and really cool. Yeah, and yeah. Um, the the soundscapes he creates are really unique to me and really cool. Really, yeah, really he, fun. Yeah, he said about he's really into um, sourcing external sounds. Is mm-hmm. what is the way he put it, kind of thing. As, you know, as opposed to like most people that have like you know access to like music production software on your computer and you have all these sample packs and plugins and you know all that kind of thing which you can't he said there's nothing wrong with that like you know back to his point about using what you have kind of thing Mm -hmm. um but his personal preference is to you know try and record external new sounds into into, into the computer and create his own yeah world sort of thing i love that if if you can do it if you can do it well it sounds completely unique well here's the other thing to say about that as well like you know for all the kids out there that have the phone mm-hmm. and if you have a phone you have a, a laptop or an ipad or whatever it is kind of thing you know you can go out and use this as a field recorder you know totally and go and record random sounds and then resample them and cut them up and mm-hmm. affect them and stuff like that and create new things yeah sort of thing. well, one of the one of the artists who's big right now billy eilish mm-hmm. um i've seen a couple of interviews and she's talking about she'll have her phone walking across the street something and record the beeping mm. crosswalk meter thing Man. i don't know what you call that is there a word for that i'm not sure yeah i don't know yeah. <laughs> but but her and phineas her brother will you know do stuff like that and use these yeah, yeah. cool sounds yeah, yeah um you know so just using your phone and yeah. then this these sounds getting onto a track yeah that's huge that the world is listening to yeah, yeah. just goes to show that there's no limit to to what you can do with no. what you already have in your pocket. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, just just a cool yeah. testament to creativity. Exactly. Yeah. I'm down for it. Yeah. Explore that creativity to the T. Creativity. Creativity. <laughs> yeah. Um. What else we got on this guy? Do you have anything else? I think that's about all I got. I mean, I think the only thing to say was like about how he got signed to Ghostly International, and because one guy asked him, because that's the label he's on, and mm-hmm. um, it's been releasing all of his music up until from the very beginning to now, and and that was a label that was around um, before 
he started releasing stuff. Like I think it was a label that inspired him as well, kind of thing. Right. Similar to Warp. And um and uh, you know, he was asked like how did you get signed and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. it was basically that, you know, he said, Well, he was the label came from Michigan as well and he knew the people kind of thing and they knew him like they knew him as like oh it's Zach the jazz drummer kind of thing mm-hmm. you know and then he started making electronic music and they word got around town that he was making electronic music and they listened to it sort of thing and and that's how he got onto that label kind of thing that's um, cool just from the hometown clout yeah yeah and also, like, you know, he also said, you know, it, it requires talent and hard work to create good sounding things. Mm-hmm. So he was putting in that work and that time to create what he's creating sort of thing. And, um, yeah. And, yeah. And he said it was just like, he said the good part of, he said, you know, the good part about music industry is it is about personal connections. Sort of right. Thing. And when you know people and and stuff like that and, and that's how it came about for him and um you know he's been able to forge a living out of that since kind of thing by doing live shows and releases and stuff like that yeah speaking and of so, which one of the stories yeah. he was telling um in one of his interviews or something was when he was i don't know if it was at that cheese shop or if it was later but he he had a day job originally and he was working and then he started touring mm-hmm. at shigeto i think mm-hmm. and then he you know he was touring a lot and eventually he got fired from his job because his the shop he was working at whatever it was was saying hey you're you're touring like every other week right <laughs> we, you got to leave <laughs> we got to yeah. fire you cuz it's not yeah it's not profitable it's not it's not you know part no, of our yeah. business model you know yeah you're not here <laughs> <laughs> so you know and he he never like he said he never made a decision like, okay, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to quit school and I'm going to be a, a, an artist. I'm going to be a musician. The decision was made for him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he just kind of fell yeah. into it because he, yeah. he was getting more gigs, more work in the yeah. music industry with his music. Yeah. And he just kind of pushed and thrust into yeah. Yeah. what he's been able to do yeah. slowly. I just thought it was cool that he never was like, I'm going to stop everything that I'm doing. I'm going to be an artist now. Yeah. And then he was successful. You know, he was just kind of kept working through his day jobs and stuff like that through his normal life yeah. until he got there and that's you know put in that hard work because it's worth it yeah. is what i'm saying yeah yeah that's super cool which is you know it's always a good thing to talk about on these shows as well because i think like it is a bit of an an enigma to how artists make a living out of music mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah you know it's kind of mysterious yeah like you know some artists have the big label backing some are on indie labels, some are really well known, but they, you know, still don't have a lot of money in the bank kind of mm-hmm. thing, like Ariel Pink, you know? Right. Um, so it's like, I think it's an interesting side of the industry that we should maybe talk about a little bit more, maybe, on some of these shows. is like, how, yeah. because how, I, I don't know, I think it's interesting and it's peculiar, especially now, you know, with the way the music industry is right now and how you can make income from doing it Mm -hmm. because also it's also you know the the conflict between trying to stay true to yourself artistically Mm -hmm. and do what you want to do and and then make the money somehow you know like 
Yeah. All about multiple yeah. revenue streams. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You, you yeah. gotta make a little bit come from here, a little bit come from there. Yeah. And and that's how we will be financially free. There you go. Yeah. Let's get financially literate, guys. I love it. <laughs> I'm gonna start another pod- podcast about financial stuff. Are you gonna call it uh um what was it? What was your band name that you came up with? Flint Flinderbrint Flinderbrint. <sighs> we forgot it already you <laughs> it was good you painted um, it uh, yeah pat- patented it to do yeah it. yeah it was patented so uh patented. hmm well i'll have to watch uh watch this later <laughs> when it's on youtube and i'll find out and we'll get back to it yeah. i wanted to say a couple other things i did have about this guy because he yeah. uh he did a shigeto made a this he did the score created the soundtrack for a documentary that was based in um, Detroit hmm. called Street Fighting Man. Hmm. And I think I'm not, I, I can't even say what it's exactly about. I didn't make a note. I forgot, but I think it's potentially about the, the state of the city and, and, yeah. and the, the trials and tribulations of the residents, yeah. you know, living in the neighborhoods and stuff. Um, and it was, pre, uh, directed by Dave Douglas, mm-hmm. who's a documentary producer, I believe, or no, I'm sorry different note andrew james directed that okay yeah so pretty cool looks cool i i saw a couple clips from it but i wasn't able to watch it Mm -hmm. but i think it's available online and it came out in like 2017 or something like that okay um so i'd recommend people checking it out because he did the score for it and i'm sure it's great and then another project that he was involved in was with a guy called dave douglas Hmm. and he's that name familiar i don't know i thought it was familiar too but i'm I'm, i don't know if i know him Mm -hmm. i thought douglas adams the author Oh, and then I thought of Dave Grubeck or Brubeck, <laughs> who's a jazz guy, but okay, yeah. none of those guys are the guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. but Dave Douglas, he's a jazz trumpeter mm. and I believe he's out of Detroit as well, but I'm not sure, but he has a, a project called high risk. Hmm. And I, I think there's multiple albums that feature Shigeto, mm-hmm. um, at least two or three. Uh, he, yeah. As a drummer. Or? Um, as a. Yeah, I think drumming, but also some other electronic stuff. Interesting. Yeah, so just kind of some kind of collaboration, kind of some kind of, uh, you know, super group yeah. with a different artist from these different cool bands kind of thing. And uh, I checked it out because it seemed worthwhile because Shigeto seems anything he does is super yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So I checked it out and High Risk is dope. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm going to check that out. It's super cool. So, I mean, check out Dave Douglas, super cool, trumpety, okay. jazzy stuff with some electronic influence in there yeah. super cool that's all i got um uh, also i think shigeto has released at least one project under a pseudonym frank omura who's that frank omura yeah there's a there's a spotify profile i didn't actually listen to any of that stuff but um there's like one project underneath his name it's like a pseudonym came out a long time ago at least nothing to do with shigeto um, I mean, it, it, He's is, not. it is Shigeto's music, but okay, I think it was like an early pseudonym of his kind of thing. Right. When did that come out? Like earlier than this Shigeto stuff? I, I think we're talking like early, um, like mid 2000s, 20, 2010s or something. Um, okay. Tw- or 2008. So that's around when his first stuff was coming out. That's before his first stuff came out in like 2009. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Ooh, this could be the early 
Early Shigeto, no one knows. Frank. This is, the, this is the first track. All Rise from Frank Omura. Sounds pretty ominous. I like it. Yeah, that's pretty much like the only release. Oh, there's another one. <laughs> he, has, he has two EPs on this same year, 2008. That's cool. Well, I would love to check that out in the future. Maybe we can talk about that. Yeah, sounds Later. very, very electronic-y from what we're hearing just now in the background. Yeah, but, sounds yeah. like maybe it's going to be a little bit more avant-garde kind of thing yeah, yeah, yeah. rather than super dope upfront jams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little less poppy, if you will. Yeah. As far as Shigeto goes. Yeah. But amazing guy, Shigeto. Thank you for bringing him Inspiring up. Inspiring guy, yeah. He's definitely going on my playlists. Nice. On my liked artists playlist. And uh, we're going to develop a Roots to Grooves playlist, which hasn't come out yet, but I'm, I'm building it. And you are? Okay, yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah. And are you, are you doing an Uber playlist of all of the artists we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All Ooh. of the artists we've talked about, like I'm thinking like two songs from each one. And it's honestly going to be like the sickest playlist I've ever heard. Because like... Chronologically from episode one to... Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. I think that... Yeah. And then if you want to listen to it on shuffle, that's an option on your device or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then we can lay it out artist to artist as we release them that's a good way to do it Ooh! so be on the lookout for that it's not out yet yeah yeah um but yo let us know what you guys think of shigeto i'm, yeah. I'm super impressed literally everything i've heard from him on his multiple whoa 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 on on his different projects and people he've worked with it's it's all great it's all fantastic and super high level high quality yeah super jammable chill music absolutely yeah i mean that, that's that's like on shigeto I, I would recommend everybody check them out yeah you have been listening to roots to grooves you're gonna play us out with the track jay i will load us up uh, i'm gonna play this track ringleader dope <laughs> which album is it from we don't know but thank you for tuning in we're here in seattle at signal radio studio um if you guys got any questions Hit us up if you guys got tidbits or uh, anything to say about Shigeto or any of the artists we talk about. We want to know. Mm -hmm. We want to. We want to contact you if you got any corrections, anything mm -hmm. we said wrong. Mm -hmm. Let us know. Update us. We're all, we're we're here to learn with everybody else. Give us that email real quick. Roots to Grooves at signalradio.com. That's S I G N L radio.com. Boom. I'm Jesse Quigley. I'm Jay Purcell. It's Roots to Grooves. Peace out, everybody. And this is Ringleader from No Better Time Than Now. Mm. Roots to Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com.